This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where Billy and I tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future experience with it. Today's topic was the great outdoors. Please enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, welcome back. This is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I am Adam Lustig. And this is episode number 32. We're really making our way into the 30s here. Yeah. Yeah. When you think of the number 32, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? The Magic Johnson jersey I owned as a child. The <laughs> yellow and purple Lakers jersey, 32. Fascinating. Mine is the teal um, Shaquille O'Neal Orlando Magic jersey. You had the blue, the light blue? I had the black. Oh, yeah. With the teal numbers yes. and the silver star in the word either Orlando or Magic. I think it might be, yeah, that's a really, really pleasing jersey to yes. have. And 32, why is 32 such a satisfying number? I feel like O.J. Simpson, like, so it looks particularly good on a sports jersey. I right. Feel like. Something right. about it. Or the combination of three and two, because the numbers two, three also make a pretty solid. Have a lot number. of athletic significance in terms of jerseys. Michael Jordan, LeBron James. For instance. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Sandberg. Oh. Second baseman, Chicago Cubs. That's for, the, the logical for third quick... name that comes to mind. <laughs> um, we've talked about this, I believe, on the fantasy. We have, in fact, talked about this on the HeadGum Fantasy Football Podcast. Yes, of which I'm a big fan. Yes. Which yes. you are uh... a member. <laughs> right. Yes. Maybe one of the least participating members and maybe one of the worst teams in general, but a proud member nonetheless. Both things true. Yeah. <laughs> Both things true. Yeah. Um, but we brought it up and it like sparked this conversation and this is the response that i had too when you first told me because this is your realization a long time ago the teal revolution oh yes do you want to walk people through what the teal revolution was in the 90s i mean look we've heard of the velvet revolution which i believe took place in the czech republic which sort of brought down uh that totalitarian regime the teal revolution is has a little less military significance and really refers to the period known as the 90s okay in which any new sports franchise regardless of sport yes. across all major sports any new sports franchise inducted and birthed and created in the 1990s had to be teal. Now, that wasn't a law, but it seemed like an unwritten law. In the collective unconscious, the cultural zeitgeist, teal was the only choice for new colors in the 90s. The 90s loved teal. Loved teal. It was like a, like the word electric blue. <laughs> exactly. When I was a kid and I didn't know all of the colors, but I wanted to be different, when someone said, what's your favorite color? I would just say electric blue. <laughs> electric. Because that made me feel hip and modern. Exactly. Right. So teal, I was like, in the NBA, we have the Hornets and the Magic. Distinct two teal. Those are two teals. But don't even rush through it because there's more. Then there's the Timberwolves. Oh my gosh, teal. Super teal. Yep. Okay. I mean, and even like the, the Magic. The Raptors. The, the Raptors had flavors of teal. Yeah. Had definitely had flavors of teal. I mean, they were definitely like perp, like almost like metallic purple in oh, a way. Okay. But I mean, the Hornets, I would say, set the teal standard. Okay. I mean, the Charlotte Hornets. They were teal. They they are teal nation. They are the teal revolution. Right. Uh, in hockey, uh, we have the Tampa Bay Lightning, right. which were born in the 90s. The Colorado Avalanche. Colorado Avalanche. And that maybe goes a bit against the rule only because no, they're like. I think there's a hint of teal. There may be a hint of teal. They're blue and red uh, and white traditionally, but I think they might have some teal on there. Look, maybe not every color has exactly, not every jersey has exactly teal. Yes. But the spirit of teal. The spirit of teal lives, lives on. on. The Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers, massively teal. Yeah. Uh, the San NHL. Jose Sharks. Te 
so aggressively teal, Hornets level of teal. Yes. Um, in the NFL, we have the Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars, right. both intensely teal. Yeah. The Jaguars are rudely teal, so much so that I would say they have my least favorite jerseys in the NFL. Mm, they have a tough jersey. Tough, they have the two tone helmet. <laughs> yeah. From front to back. Problematic. There's a lot of action. There's a gold in the front, black in the back. I just. I feel like when you start with teal, it's such a tertiary color that you're already on shaky ground. Right. So to, to be derivative from teal for like third alternative jerseys, yes. you really find yourself in the weeds and you resort to two-toned helmets. Right. Because you've started with teal. It seems like those teams, those new franchises, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Carolina yes. Panthers, yep. whoever these teams are. Florida Marlins, I would just want to submit, and baseball, Listen, teal. if you're listening now, we've definitely left off a long list of teal teams. <laughs> Tell us who we forgot. Please, who did we forget? Where are you from? Tell us about your teals. Yeah, tell us about your teal. But those teams, those young teams, those uh, future or whatever, the Carolina Panthers, these young teams, yes. they were like me when they could pick whatever color was their favorite. Yes. And young Billy, seven-year-old <laughs> Billy, chose electric blue electric. because in his mind, I thought that represents me as a cool guy. <laughs> All of these franchises probably said, what will make us seem like a cool team? Let's throw in some teal. All of their marketing consultants were 12-year-old boys at the time. Right. They might as well have been. Right. What color should be teal? Still are. Still are. Yeah. Still counts. Um, but the teal revolution was real. Yeah, that it, the teal was real. Yeah, the teal was real. The teal was real. Don't now, doubt you, it. You talked about the velvet revolution real quick, and I, I thought that was something in relation to Prince. No. Was it Prince? I, oh, man. You maybe said I, that there was something political. Maybe I'm and, getting my terms mixed up, but I thought, and again, uh, we're going to get, well, someone, a, a listener will certainly correct us. What country did, did you think the Velvet Revolution I thought that was in? was in the, in the 80s in the Czech Republic, okay, the Velvet so. Revolution, uh, Vaclav Havel, when he was a playwright that came to power as prime minister and president. It was sort of related to the fall of the Berlin Wall and communism disintegrating, nice. et cetera. I might be wrong. I could totally be wrong. Yeah. Um, our dear, smart, uh, great friend Sean will correct us. Okay. Or, or some other smart listener, but right. I'm pretty sure that referred to the Czech Republic political shakeup in the 80s. The fact that you can even vaguely talk about that <laughs> makes you my smartest oh, friend. Oh, so oh, it's vague. You're talking oh, about brother, it's Czech Republic 80s potential revolutions. I think that's you're what smarter it was. than me. Well, I just I can string a few words together, and that's the best I can do. I'm saying you give me a good five syllable word, and I'm like that guy's smart. <laughs> I once said that if I ever see someone with a pencil behind their ear, I immediately assume that guy built his house. <laughs> <laughs> that is only architects keep the pencil behind their ear. If I meet you for the first time and there's a pencil behind your ear. You're an architect. You can chop down a tree and turn it into some sort of slide, <laughs> canoe. You know how to use a hacksaw. It's so good. It's like architect make continues to be like the job. It's just like the good, like the good smart job. Right. It's like there was a reason that like George Costanza wanted. It's like he always aspired to be an architect. Right. It's such a satisfying, adult, meaningful, but like the perfect combination of like labor force, like work with your hands and your brain. Yes. And like incorporates all of the skills. Yes. Like architect is like the complete profession into it would love to be an architect will never be will never be would love to will never be right the, literally the most we can do is just jam pencils behind our ears and hopefully people give us the benefit of the doubt and if you don't have a pencil nearby but yep. you still want to present yourself as an architect carabiner bring a carabiner put a carabiner which is the little clip that people put their keys on yep. hanging on their jean belt loop exactly put a carabiner on your waist i'm going to think that you're ziplining home okay i might just have to zipline home or at least get into a building that you can't get into right exactly so if you want to look like an architect yes. and you're not george costanza right pencil behind the ear carabiner, carabiner on, on the belt jeans. loop yep 
you're chilling. That's actually a perfect segue into our uh, topic for today because carabiners uh, play uh, frequently can be found at stores like Eastern Mountain Sports EMS. and other outdoorsy REIs of the world. Yes. Uh, and today, Billy, you and I are going to talk about the great outdoors. That's right. <laughs> which is something that both of us have mixed a mixed relationship with. Okay. Uh, I've never owned a carabiner. Have you? No, I have owned right. pencils. You have a bunch of pencils. Yes, and I have two ears. Okay, good. I have no beaners. Yeah, I got no beaners ever. To me, I didn't. I've never. I admire the carabiner guys yeah, and so girls. Do I. If so you do can I. rock a carabiner, it's like you're already killing the game. I agree. I'm not. I haven't earned the. I haven't done enough outdoorsy stuff where I don't feel comfortable just like showing up. If you can't play basketball well and you show up to the court in the freshest gear and kick basketball shoes that you've clearly never worn before. You're going to look like a phony. Overcompensate. Right out the gate. Overcompensate. I haven't done enough outdoorsman stuff to feel confident going into EMS and saying, I'm going to need two carabiners. I'm a beaner guy now. Right. I feel like a phony. Right. You and me both. And that's, I guess, what we're saying is that Billy and I, just in general, I would say that we, you know, we both grew up in the East Coast. Yeah. We didn't, I, my parents certainly weren't like, we're going camping. That literally, literally never came up. Same. Yeah. <laughs> And yet here we are doing an episode about about it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. Um, So I suppose that if I had to generally sum up my my sort of previous general experience with outdoors and camping, uh, it is minimal to zero. Right. Minimal to zero. How we stretch this into a 45-minute podcast is beyond me. Oh, man. That's what we're all waiting to see. We'll probably circle back to Architects probably minute 26. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you – but since then, we've been camping. Yes. Uh, a couple of times, right. a handful of times here and there. Did you have the um, internal desire to want to do that? Because you grew up in a farmish, one-stop sign in your entire yes. town, zero-stop lights yes. in your entire town, yes. nothing but land, so no fences, no fences in, like, in between houses. Nope. You could frankly camp in your backyards. You never had the... Uh, you never thought to. This is this is one of the great ironies of my life, I think, because, I mean, maybe a little bit more so than you. You grew up Long Island, a little more densely populated. I really was in upstate, rural, like, it's nothing but gorgeous camping, farmland, right. wood, gorgeous woodland creatures everywhere. Right. And it was, like, made for camping. And, like, people are super into the outdoors up there. There's, like, hunting and fishing and, and camping and things like that. Those things really are popular uh, in upstate New York because it is so rural. And literally, Billy, you joke, but, like, in our back in my family's backyard there was gorgeous woods and a literal path that you could walk through the woods right to the town park and it was like this gorgeous thing and it was literally in my backyard and i almost never went there were you afraid of that path I mean, some because <laughs> like you really I, I, struck me. You really struck to the heart of it, there, Bill. Well, yeah, so, a bit of me was afraid. Yes, I can. I mean, like I, I know, I know when I was a kid, and yeah. like I would open up the basement door, and like it was dark down there. Yeah, I grew afraid of the basement steps for a while. Yeah, knowing what I know about you. Yes, seeing a path lead into the forest. Yes, as a young man, and frankly, as an older man. Yes, I could see you being scared of it at the on site absolutely scared on site right so that was definitely a part of it i mean like i would venture back there during the day and like bad kids would also like some of my like bad older teen neighbors would like go back into the woods and like smoke cigarettes there that's bad that was really bad and like look at playboy magazines even that's very very super bad bad stuff so like i was a little weary and i'm like a real goody two-shoes so like i was just a little weary of the woods sure both for like fear factor like creepy scary birch trees the blair witch the blair witch but also 
you know, Jason Smith, who's back there with the Playboy. Right. Who's like the real life Blair Witch. Yes. Like I didn't want to run into him either. Yeah. So there were a handful of reasons, a handful of factors conspiring uh, me or conspiring that I would never, ever really explore the outdoors too much. And whenever I go back there with Maggie, my girlfriend who loves the outdoors and who has the exact opposite inclination huh. as you and I, right. she has always said that she fancies herself like a wood witch. She feels like in her heart, like she's like a wood, like a wood nymph. With all love and respect to Maggie. Yes. She's a witch wherever she She's goes. a witch yeah. wherever she is. If she's she at is. the mall, she's a mall witch. Exactly. If she's in my car, she's a car witch. She'd be thrilled to hear you say that. If she's at the beach, she is a sandwich. sandwich. Thank you, Billy. I'm applauding So we're just going right to take, okay. a, take a breath. That. Everyone just recognize the joke I just said. And you say you're not an architect. I'm going to need a beaner over here. Can I get a carabiner? <laughs> uh, Maggie loves the woods, fancies herself a wood nymph, and whenever I bring her back to my hometown, the first place, she instantly gravitates towards those woods and to the great outdoors. Yin needs yang. The yang needs yin. Here was my thing. In the front of my house, in the dri- the basketball hoop was in the driveway up front. And the woods and all the magical woodlands were in the back, and it was just a very clear division. My brother and I were hanging out in the front, never, ever going to the back. You made your choice. Yeah. And same as you. Your family never camping. It was not like, guys, we're going to the Catskills to camp for the weekend. Nope. Never happened. Never once. We never had a tent in our garage. (laughs) We never had, like, the designated thermoses for one another. Nope. We just and I, maybe it's because when you grow up on the East Coast, there's four seasons. Yeah, and like you can't camp in the winter, right? You know, you can't really do much outdoors in the winter. I guess you can go sledding. For example, we would go sledding. Yes, this is how outdoorsy we were <laughs> in Long Island. We would go sledding. Long Island doesn't have mountains. If you've never been there, it is just a flat island. Yes, there's some hills and stuff like that. We once went sledding on the town dump. <laughs> oh God, on Garbage Bill. Okay, so there's no mountains, but there are huge lumps of land. Yes. Unfortunately, those lumps of land are made up by diapers. Yes. And refuse. and then, and this is in Oceanside, New York. Oh, yeah. For anyone who's uh, who knows Long Island, this is the dump in Oceanside. <laughs> it was covered by a huge snowstorm once, and we were always told as kids because it was right by our middle school that you know never play on or near the dump, right? Because it's not solid land, and you could drop right into it. It's all trash. It could just give in. It's all just trash. But one snowstorm, we said, we want to be outdoor kids today. Where can we go sledding? And There's no hills on this goddamn island. We would sometimes connect our sleds to the back of UPS trucks oh, yeah. and go around the streets and get whipped around. And Marty McFly style? You would do that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Or just hold on to them and ski on your sneakers. That's really impressive. Um, that was our version of outdoors. But once we went uh, sledding on the dump, and that's a terrible decision. Terrible. And a piece of advice moving forward to any kid who wants to. Don't. Don't sled on dumps. When you walk on a piece of land and your foot goes like three to four inches into the earth, you're likely to go all the way. Don't into sled there. The earth. Don't sled there. There's better sledding options out there. If you can't walk, you got to walk before you can run, and you certainly have to walk before you can sled. Right. Yeah. That's that's what that's how we that's what we learned very quickly. That's our outdoor piece. But of we would advice. sled on the dump, and then yeah. behind me, uh, behind my house, there was a swampy type area. Yeah. Again, with like little hills, and it was called the sump. Because, <laughs> yes, the sump. Wait, wait. S-U-M-P. If anyone listening Why? has ever heard that word before, Why? please confirm it to us on Twitter Honestly. by hitting us up at NoJokePod or at NoJokePodGmail.com. Because I'm realizing now I may be and my family may be the only people to go sledding in a sump or sump. just use the word sump. <laughs> uh, and it, in retrospect, because I know the question you're going to ask me, in retrospect, <laughs> what the hell does the word sump possibly mean yeah that was my question my guess now as an adult who can look back and try and put this together is half swamp 
half dump. Half dump, half dump. I thought you were going to say it stands for some swamp. Okay. Like a sump, just like some swamp. Right, that's good too. But yeah, but half swamp, half dump. Because sump. if you sled too far, you would end up in this small ravine full of sewer water. Ew. So there's Ew. no real winning Ew. when it comes to Long Island Ew, outdoors. Dude. Yeah, really. Right. Oh my God. Right. I um, mean, so, so I will just say that uh, when it comes to outdoors, from what I've learned from us, if we tried it, it was compromised. Yes. Or we avoided it at yes. all costs. But... If it went well for a guy like me, you ended up filthy and disgusting filthy and dirty and disgusting. So what do you say for the first act break? We play a song directly related to being dirty. Okay. Christina Aguilera featuring Redman. Dirty. Let's do it. Done. Ah, dirty. Too dirty to clean my act up. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't dirty. You ain't here to party. Ladies, move. Gentlemen, move. Somebody ring me along. A fire on the roof. Ring me along. And I'm throwing elbows. Ring me along. And I'm throwing elbows. Yeah, yeah. And I'm throwing elbows. Ring me along. And I'm throwing elbows. Who ready to party? Somebody's gonna call the cops. Uh oh. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, 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 o
like a jam, like a summer show. I keep my car looking like a crash dummy drove. My gear look like the bank got my money froze. For their presidents, I pant like Huddy Road. That's the one that excites your divas. After media shine, I'm shining with both of the sleeves up. Yo, Christina, better hop in here. My black live in color, like Rodman hair. Yeah. The club is packed, the bar is filled. I'm waiting for sisters to act like Lauren Hill. Frankly, it's a rap, no bargain deals. I drop a four-wheel wide with foreign wheels. Throw it up. Baby, this Brick City, you heard of that. We blessed and hung low like Bernie Mac. Dogs, let them out. Women, let them in. It's like I'm ODB. They're what y'all did That was Christina Aguilera featuring Redman with their song Dirty from X amount of years ago. Yeah. I think it's safe to say. From our youth. <laughs> from our collective youth. Right. Um, and speaking of our collective youth, Redman had maybe the finest episode of MTV Cribs. A legend, a truly legendary episode of Cribs. If you've never heard of Redman, if you're too young for Redman, he is one of the greatest 90s rappers, arguably he- the greatest, who just didn't cross over into... Just blowing up Biggie style. He's the best. But verse for verse, I'll go Redman all day, every day. Out of New Jersey. Yes. A rapper out of New Jersey. Even Newark, maybe? Perhaps. Partnered up with Method Man. They made the Blackout album. Then they made How High, that movie. So good. But to what you said, he also did an episode of MTV Cribs, the 90s television show. Legendary. The the whole premise of that show was who can brag the most about their gold toilet. Celebrities showing off their ostentatious houses so annoying and also compelling. Lil Bow Wow was 13 and he was showing off all of his Lamborghinis. Master P was rich and he had a gold toilet. He did, didn't he? The whole toilet made of gold. God damn it, Master. Um, And if there's other uh, houses... (laughs) God damn it, Master. (laughs) If there's other houses that we're forgetting or if you guys had your favorite episode. Yeah, we would be Something that we need to see again in retrospect looking back on like pimp my ride yes it's like where are those cars where, now yeah so remind us of your favorite but to go back to the red man episode which yes it played against all of the look at how good i got it look how famous and fancy and rich i am um if i recall red man lived in a shitty apartment i want to say house small house. it was like, like a t- small little house yeah in i want to say it was newark in my yeah. mind in my memory it was newark yeah um but it was dilapidated all, i mean like totally dilapidated unkempt yeah. uncared for right falling apart piece of garbage yes and it was almost as though the mtv camera crew like showing up there like he genuinely wasn't expecting them so he woke up <laughs> moments before that happened i've seen interviews with him since because it kind of is the standout episode i think there's been like an oral history of this episode of of cribs and i think that the oral history started at the first thing you see when you walk into the house which is his cousin sleeping on the living room floor (laughs) he walks in and he just says excuse my cousin 
and the camera has to pan down because there's just a full-grown man <laughs> face down sleeping on the floor. <laughs> Needless to say, unprecedented on MTV Cribs. Right. Yeah. You usually lead with like your fish tank full of piranha yes, and shark. Exactly. This is my cousin. He's sleeping on the floor. He took them to the kitchen on top of the fridge. You thought that maybe he'd show you his Grammy Award or whatever. Right. He had a shoebox full of petty cash. <laughs> Wires and petty cash. <laughs> wires. Why? Because everyone has a shoebox of wires. <laughs> we all do. Red man is us. I am red man and he is I. Holy and shit. And petty cash. Yeah. When you need to go and get a swisher and grab two, <laughs> two bucks out of the box <laughs> and hit the road. Rate. Oh, my God. Red man. What are the all-time great episodes? And download this album. You could probably get it for free or you could torrent it or whatever. Or, since we're saying it on a public forum, buy this album. Yes, you should buy it. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Blackout. Yes. With him and Method with Man. With Method Man. So much fun. There was a d- producer called The Rockweiler back in the day. Yes, I remember. And I believe he made both of the he, he made one or two of the blackouts and he didn't really like I just haven't heard a lot from him since. Yes. But those two albums have such a specific sound and so much yeah, fun. They're amazing. Yeah. Um we're taught this is act 2 of the No Joe podcast. Yeah. We are talking about the great outdoors, something right. Billy and I have established are, haven't always been so great to us. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that uh, we don't fantasize. Yes. Um, second act of the No Joke podcast, in this we like to talk about our present lives. Yeah. I watch a lot of survivalist You do, Billy. Shows. You love this stuff. It is my favorite type of program. Yeah. And we've talked about American Ninja Warrior, but that is obviously a very kind of like a invented obstacle course. Yes. On Discovery and National Geographic now, they have all this programming about being a survivalist, being a, you know, just kind of moving out to Alaska, building a homestead, surviving on your own. It's like a whole genre of TV at this point. It's like it's it's a huge genre of TV right now. People making their own way in the woods. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, for me, it's the, it's the most fun. It's kind of like that thing where you confront your fears uh, by just doing it, jumping headfirst into it. Yes. It's nice to at least confront your fears on the television first before, because I like to think that I like, I could just go to a Alaska yes. and figure it out. But then once you watch like semi-professionals try yes. and fail, it's like, I could use the lessons. Exactly. And it's like you're saying, it's like helpful to kind of live or learn vicariously through them. Right. And I mean, you've told me a bit about this. They have like rankings and ratings for like what your score is, yeah. like how capable of an outdoorsman you are. Yeah. So of. one of the most popular shows um, about the outdoors is Naked and Afraid. Yes. And it's not PSI necessarily. I think that's what the uh, inflation of a football is. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a game. We're getting our, but, uh, but there our is, anagrams. But there is some sort of technical ranking where um, you go in with a certain score based yes. on your previous you know challenges and accomplishments in the outdoor world and if you can survive the 21 days of naked and afraid you come back with most likely a higher score yes and you kind of carry that with you to your next challenges so you can when you're talking to other survivalists and stuff say i'm currently at a 7.4 yes or whatever yes um but those shows are just so so fun for me yeah because it shows simply how challenging yes. the great outdoors can possibly be what do you feel what do you feel like you have practically learned like for example do yeah. you feel like if you and i were out in the woods you could just go down a checklist of some things yeah do you do you feel confident that you could make us a fire no okay <laughs> and this is and this is important <laughs> okay this is not important this yeah. is actually not important at okay. all but i will say that i was just yesterday talking with the guy who is uh, designing our shirts yes for no joke yes adam block if you need a shirt made, go to Adam Block Design. He is a genius. Yes. Um, and we we will often start talking about shirts and deviate into what we actually want to be talking about, <laughs> which shirts is usually how would you catch a hyena if you had to 
you know, like what's the best trap you've ever made? And we're did talking it work? about shirts, but we mean hyenas. We ended our conversation that time with saying we need to take a fire starting class. Yeah, because that is a big one. That's like the one, right? That's a big one. So is that sort of hammered home on these survival shows? Like to have fire is to have life. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that is like the, uh, to have security. Yeah. To have life, it keeps bugs away. It's like what was the movie? Um, the Jungle Book. If you've seen, yeah. you see the Jungle. I Book? I did not see the most recent one. The most recent one. Um. At one point, the invention of fire yeah. uh, arrives yeah. when man shows up and they have fire and yes. it just throws off the entire kind of like animal kingdom. Suddenly, the lions aren't the strongest one because we now have the flame. So, yes, building fire, it, you know, it, it saves you from hypothermia. It keeps mosquitoes away. It keeps bugs away. You can actually boil water if you're living by like a rotty lake and it's yes. all just covered in animal feces and all yes. these things. You can still drink that water if you boil it for an hour. It's so interesting. I never thought about it that way. It is fire that almost – it's almost like fire and fire alone that put humans at the top of the food chain. Right. In a way. Right. That like really bumped us up like in the ancient like prehistoric days. It's like we were getting gnawed on and mauled by saber-toothed tigers, woolly mammoths, etc. Right. So we kind of maybe – I mean we would hunt them too, but they would definitely hunt us. Right. So we were almost like kind of equal on the food chain. But I, then once we got fire – I agree. And I think, <laughs> I think that it's popular to say that – Guns and rifles changed the food chain. Yeah. But I disagree. I think that it was fire, fire that changed the food chain. Dumb question. Dumb question alert. Chimps can make fi- – can chimps make fire? I don't think so. Okay. I mean We're maybe... the only species that can like make fire. I think so. Okay. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like lightning can make fire. Right, And a right. chimp can maybe like run into it <laughs> and carry the fire. And then... yes. But I don't think that they can make fire. Okay, cool. That comforts me. But yeah. that is probably a worthy YouTube search. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Monkey makes fire. Fire dot question mark? Right. Yeah. But there are all these shows on the Discovery Channel and National Geographic. Yeah. And they – ultimately what the goal of those shows are is to show you how to survive three weeks in, right. in a one-hour period. Right. But I would love – I would love a class or if they like dedicated a half hour episode to this is how you are going to make fire. And I'm sure that exists on YouTube and it's probably in seven minutes and stuff like that. But no, I can't make fire. But yes, I would learn to love to. Yeah, I feel like this is such an old cranky thing to say. And I am the victim and the perpetrator of this more than anything. But like, I don't know. We like the Internet is here and we're all kind of indoor kids now. And I feel like I wonder if like this art of survival or not even the art, the practical skill set and the litany of things that you really do need to survive out of the wild. If these skills are maybe being focused on less or being practiced and enhanced less frequently because – everything that we need is so accessible to us and we really don't need to know how to make fire for ourselves i think so yeah i and mean as a result I, I don't but the, but it's when the apocalypse hits yeah we're gonna need and to. your lighters run out you know will you be able to take care of your family exactly or something like that and it's also just like even as a performer it just feels good and like you use the word fortified a lot when you have this bag of tricks yeah when you have these skills that you just simply possess yes we were saying that when I was talking to Adam Block about why we want to make fire, yes, it would be great to go camping and make fire, right. even though, of course, we could bring a lighter or a door of flame <laughs> yes. or whatever. Yes. But more interestingly, it would be funny if it was just a party trick. <laughs> yeah. Where if you're just like talking to somebody and they like turn away for a second and you're just like, make Check fire out. real quick and you just come back and you're just like holding a small flame in your hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the coolest caveman in the village. Yeah, misuse the skill. <laughs> yeah, just misuse it completely. But there are shows now, um, just to stick with the shows yep. that I'm watching, there's a show called American Tarzan. Okay, what is that? Um, so, Jungle survival? Yeah. Have we not talked about American Tarzan? I don't think I've even heard those words in combination before. Okay. 
Well, I believe it's American Tarzan. Okay. I believe it's on the Discovery Channel. Great. And what it is is, I can't believe we even talked about it. <laughs> a jungle mile. They need to accomplish a jungle mile, jungle which is mile. probably like five to ten miles long, actually. Wow. But they have to, they have a, oh, we have, I'm pretty sure, talked about this. Mm. They have a guy who has super strength. They have endurance runners. They have um, a woman from 19 years in the army. Amazing. They have this like lumberjack guy. Cool. Um, they just have all these types of Great. people who might survive, who could potentially survive. These in this people climb. are competing against each other. Yes, they all are dropped off on a boat. Yep. Um, and then they have to canoe maybe five miles into this island. Fun. And then it, it's just on. And there's vine climbing. There's uh, leaps of faith where you have to jump and land on a vine and swing across. Amazing. There is swimming through rapids. There's all this just like pushing through brush. Jesus. Climbing over trees. And it's just candy Yeah, for me. it's so good. As somebody who thinks they're capable of anything, yeah, and this is my own it. problem – and then to see other people who actually are capable of almost anything, like yeah. drop out day one. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's hard. This is hard. I would be exhausted after mile 1.5 of the canoeing. I'd be like, holy Christ, my arms are going to fall Wild. off. The, yeah. the, the lesson I've learned with that show is, and with a lot of these shows, yeah. is to not rush. Yeah. Rushing is like the death of... Well, that's interesting. If you rush, you're going to deplete your energy and then you can't do anything. And ideally, you have like one special skill that you can rely on yes. in the outdoors. I am super fast. I am super fast. Yeah. I will be the one to run and get us water. Yes. You know, the, yes. the river is two miles away. Since I am fast, I can get us the water. Yes. I'm very strong. Yes. I can push down the trees. <laughs> I, can, I can tear off the branches. You know, everyone has a special skill yes. and the jungle mile on american tarzan is built to kind of highlight each person's skill That's at nice. some point sure but that you can't assume that they're going to get to that thing right they might so the army woman she's like 19 year veteran she's small compact cool. super strong yep she f was just like forget it i'm just gonna dust all these clowns and she just went so hard and fast on the canoe that she had already tapped like 80% of her energy source and she still had miles to go. So... Don't rush. Yeah, exactly. Don't rush. If your ship crashes, if you land on the shore, first things first, ask yourself who you are, what you're capable of, what would be too much for you today, and don't cross that line. Do you think that you, Billy, in the moment, in an emotional moment of us being stranded at sea and finding ourselves in the woods, I like to think that I would have the presence of mind and the consciousness to slow my heart rate down, to slow my mind down. What am I good at? Okay, I'm really fast. I could probably run and gather sticks before sundown right. or whatever. Do you think that you'd be able to sort of maintain your composure? 100%. Yes, boy. Yes, my boy. That is the kind of confidence I need from a leader. You have also often said that if our group of friends, if the apocalypse, if the apocalypse came, you would want the gun. If we were on an island or if there was just some place where it was just the squad and one gun, I've had this conversation years before it reaches relevancy. I'm pumping my fist right now in, in psychness. Give me the gun. Give Billy the gun. I feel like I could be responsible with it, but I could also take the shot. I respond to that kind of leadership, especially I, in an outdoor life or death, stakes super high, yep. super strength, super speed, American Tarzan jungle mile scenario. I trust you with that gun. That is a great conversation for the third act. Yeah. <laughs> Since we're heading into the jungle yeah. in the third act, yeah. can we play the song? The lion sleeps tonight. We absolutely can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's do it. This is that song. Love that song. We'll be right back. Ma 
was the song The Lion Sleeps Tonight, originally written by Solomon Linda and made popular by The Tokens, which were a doo-wop group in the 50s and 60s, I think. Yes. Yes. And that was a song that I learned how to play on the dulcimer, which is an instrument for losers. Okay. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, I, when I went to my one non-basketball summer camp experience, when my parents tried to get me into the outdoors <sighs> by sending me to the Helderberg Workshop, which was an outdoor, very traditional, sort of like capital S summer camp in the the Helderberg Mountains of upstate New York, which I didn't like that much. No but, way. You yeah. cannot fly past this Helderberg <laughs> summer camp Helderberg where Works. you were taught the dulcimer. The dulcimer. Yes. Just tell me a little bit more about the people you who attended that camp. Was it Jewish outdoor camp? No, it wasn't even Jewish. It was just my – Helderberg. Uh, Helderberg. Well, that was the name of the mountain – quote-unquote mountain range. Couldn't even Is call Is that them- a Jewish mountain? <laughs> Is there just a massive yarmulke on top? Helderberg? That's hysterical. Okay. Hysterical. That mountain does not turn on or off the lights on Saturday. <laughs> um, but there was the Helderberg, not even mountain, in upstate New York where I'm from. They're not even mountains because they're not that big. They're literally called the Helderberg Escarpments. Isn't that catchy? No. That means – Did they mean means... apartments? <laughs> escarpments? That's like nature's apartments. It's like not – like a mountain, if you think about it, like a house, and an escarpment is like an apartment. It's like a small house. It's like a tiny mountain. Every name associated <laughs> with this fake mountain range sucks. <laughs> So I would go to the Helderberg workshop for a couple of summers in a row. Uh, my dad also went. It was just – it was it was local, super small town and DIY and very kind of adorable. But they would offer art classes and like, and like you know, uh, outdoorsy t- 
type stuff. Dulcimer, and dulcimer classes. What's a dulcimer? So a dulcimer it's, is like a almost kind of like a guitar. I mean, it's a string instrument that you strum, okay. except like a loser, you wear it on your lap. And you put uh, it on your lap, you, you look straight down, and you strum looking straight down at your own lap. Oh, so they took the, the fun of the guitar and they made it worse. You got it. Cool. It's like all the sound of a guitar with none of the cool factor because it's sitting on your own lap. So, so but that's different than a slide it. guitar because like Ben Harper plays a slide guitar and that somehow looks kind of cool. That's what cool. there's like kinetic motion involved. Right. It's like sli- and it's just the sound is a bit cooler. Right. This is not the slide guitar. Right. This is the dulcimer and it's for losers. <laughs> And I built and I built one. I don't know why or how, but I constructed one with my own human hands. I can't believe I did it to this day. Really? And I learned how to play uh, maybe two or three songs, one of them being The Lion Sleeps Tonight. There you go. That was directly related to one of my my few outdoor summer camp experiences. But you never went to like a summer camp, like Camp Chichawa. No, never never went to some sort of Native American name. They were there. Tecumseh. (laughs) Tecumseh was a Catholic camp where all these Catholic boys would go for a while. And I just like never, never wanted to. And I like the things they're doing. But like when they were leaving, I was like, I'm glad they're going on the bus and I'm not. Like this is like, what are they going to do? These boys, I I don't do out there in the woods. But I've grown up just to rewind back to the second act. Yes. And I've grown up now actually wishing that I went on that bus. I know. Because I I fantasize frequently about, and I won't even get into why, about me and call it 15 of my best friends on a boat and that boat crashing fantasize about that you have like this survival fantasy you like, where, really have the survival yes, times fantasy. where we all get on the small boat yes the small dinghy yes and land ho okay mysterious island great and the 15 friends show up yes and now we have to prove what we're worth okay and we have nothing with us in this extended let's just like if we can just sort of dive into this fantasy for a second in this fantasy do we have rations do we have food do we have any weapons do we have tools no no tools no weapons yeah. maybe some food that like you had on your purse a in granola your backpack. bar you had something to grab a to cliff hop bar. onto the dinghy okay. nothing that's necessarily going to sustain food wise for a long time right but we can use the wrappers for things for reflection to try and make fire oh, that's we nice. can use all of the things yes but that being said, no sort of survival, yes. big survival things moving forward. Right. So we land on the island. We crash land on the island. Yes. So we have this dinghy. Yes. So that's a huge resource. Yes. You, I would, again, if you are, let's say, leading this uh, de facto mission in this fantasy, your first priority for the group yeah. is what? Sh- shelter. Find shade. Find shade. Shade first. Okay, great. That's not to say to, I guess the priority is A, making sure everyone's there, and B, making sure that despite the panic... You know, you're capable of listening and talking for the next few minutes. That's what you're kind of saying. Don't rush. Keep a cool head. Yes. Keep your wits about you. That's almost the hardest part. I find that, and I think it's probably some sort of saying somewhere, that those who can, like, operate smoothly in chaos are the people you want to surround yourself with. That's for sure. You tend to reveal your true self in moments of panic and chaos. If you're able to actually slow down the dials when everyone else is speeding up their dials, you probably want to play on that person. I think team. that's a great, great, I think that's wise. And I think it's important for, as, from a leader, as a leader's perspective, I will assume the role for a second, yes. <laughs> to not assume that everyone has your same temperament or excitability regarding this do or die life or death situation that See, we're now in. That's really nice. So you need to make sure that everyone 
you or you should work towards probably trying to get everyone in the same temperament or at least uh, slow down heart rates where you can. Now, as the leader, how do you, Billy, go about doing that? I, I mean, think that I probably get in t- like talk to you yes. and one or two other people in the group yep. who I know are capable of being incredibly empathetic yes. and allowing themselves to detach from themselves for a second yeah. and to check in with the people who may not be so, yes. people who may be more panicked. Yes. And I would probably denote you guys that responsibility for call at the first half hour, first hour, find some shade and make sure that everyone is sitting in a That's place nice. where they can just get their heart rate down, I'm going to start collecting wood. Okay, good. So you are tasking us. I mean, first of all, already thank you for leading this mission. Thank mm-hmm. you for keeping a cool head and yeah. thank you for delegating responsibly. Yeah. So you're going to find other people who have cool heads and say, hey, why don't you talk to the panic, the panicked a little bit? Call them emotional nurses. Emotional nurses. They might not need – let's lovely. just say that everyone's healthy. Yes. So we don't need any sort of like stitches nope. or broken no fingers. No one needs to get their, their scars cut up. We need emotional nurses okay, for good. a second. And I would probably assign a few people. Yes. And again, this is all because we've had this conversation a long time ago yes. <laughs> saying that we've already agreed. Get that conversation out of the way. This Who's podcast is happening now. This is on record. This is how it's going to go down. Right. As long as you've agreed to let Billy be the leader yes. to a certain extent, I, especially I have the gun. Yes. Um, that will, at least when we get to the island, we're like, all right, well, we've already agreed. Chain of command. I will be going to collect wood okay. and also try and find a water source. Okay, great. A water source is crucial. As the rest, are you bringing maybe one person yeah. with you? Maybe yes. two people with you? Probably one. On the mission. Somebody else who I believe has the capability to accept the fact that we were just in a boat crash. Yes. And to accept the reality that we're not going anywhere for a while. Yep. And can still keep their wits about them and has enough strength to do some physical labor. Rip off some branches if need be. Yeah. So you're going to collect as we, the rest of the crew, is finding shade. And that just means that could be under a tree or that can be maybe build build a little canopy or something for us. Find a canopy, find a cave. Find a cave. If possible. Okay, great. Right. Um, A cave is ideal. Uh, a about, cave, I what mean, about for, creatures, etc.? We're going to need fire. Right. Um, a cave is ideal if only because if it's a tropical island and you're very hot, you know, you if, if you're cool. not in shade, you'll just – you'll cook and, and die. Dehydrate right. immediately because yes. we don't have any sort of guaranteed water source right now. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. So we need to stay in the shade for as long as we have – no options we for water. We cannot get need dehydrated. To, we need to retain our water for as long as humanly possible. Absolutely. So you're out there looking for firewood, collecting sticks, and trying to get a lay of the land. Lay I think of the land. primarily, you know, trying to find a water source if possible, listening for water, seeing where the breeze is going to see if that will be blowing towards water. All these like little Whoa, things. What that does that mean? What does the breeze blow so, towards water? Hypothetically, a lot of these like discovery shows, they'll drop people in the middle of the jungle, right. and their first goal will be to try and get out of the jungle and just like find the ocean Naturally. or find a place where that open up a little bit where they can get a lay of the land and maybe set up camp. Okay. And it's crucial to try and walk in the right direction because when you're in the jungle, you could walk in circles forever trying yes. to find it. And one trick that um, a, a survivalist once said, yes. which is so basic, is that the wind almost always will blow out to sea. Huh. So if you're in the middle of the jungle and you know that there's probably water near, but you just don't know what direction to go to... Um, Follow the wind. Follow the breeze. The, the breeze will always take you to a life source or a water source or where p- other animals are Legitimately great to know. Yeah. I actually just learned that just right. now. Okay, right. great. So you're looking for water. You're kind of following the breeze. Right. You're simultaneously collecting firewood. Right. Just for few, just nothing, to store. Yeah, nothing too big. I yes. think it's more, in retrospect, just a lay of the land. Okay, let's say, if I can sort of throw a hypothetical avenue at you here, let's say you come across a pond, but it's scummy. Yeah. Yes. There's bugs, there's flies, it's not clean water by right. any stretch of the imagination. Uh, That's good, though. 
That's great. We oh, want that. Why? Why do we want that? Because you can still drink that water. You can't drink it. You'll get so sick. So sick. If you drink, like, put your lips to it. Right. But we need to then either find coconuts or some sort of vehicle that we can then transport water to and from the camp. Okay. Because if you boil it, which is why, like, a tin can yes. is, like, the best thing you can have on an island. If an you all-purpose tool. If you boil it for over an hour, it's drinkable. Okay, great. It will taste like the literal bat shit and aardvark shit yes, that's in the that lake. it is. But... It won't kill you. It can now be drank. Wow. So we boil it, boil dirty-ass water for an hour, and it becomes palatable-ass water. Yeah. Okay, great. So in order to boil, we need fire. Yes. So that's why you're collecting these sticks. And that's why I'm trying to take a class with our t-shirt designer <laughs> yes, well in advance. Exactly. Because... Even to get there, because we need to know how to make fire, Bill. Right. We literally need to know because that. Because that first night, it's going to get very cold. And, you know, there's a lot of just, like, things that come with not having control of yeah. the temperature. Yeah. Um, okay, now, next next question. What are we eating, Captain? What are we eating? It's like, um, I am venturing out. Do you know how to differentiate poisonous berries and poisonous plants from unpoisonous ones? No. Me neither? No. Okay, so that would be kind of a stab in the dark. And I, I would think, just be yep, picking I, berries and popping them in. I wouldn't do that. Okay. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> the the <laughs> That <watch>. attitude, <laughs> That's gonna get that you attitude gets you knocked off naked and afraid in the first day. And that gets you killed even faster than that. Because you're like amputated in weeks. You start diarying and gonorrheing. Yeah, God. (laughs) Adam, oh God. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be on the boat. I'm just going to take a berry and (laughs) pop it in. in. (laughs) But I don't know. I mean, we can get into the specifics of how and what and when and where and why. But ultimately, I think there's just, I think the reason why it's so exciting to me, the, the thought of it, surviving, is to see everyone operate at their highest level. Yeah. You know? Yeah. To just like, to, to, to be challenged into just not being allowed to be comfortable anymore. Yeah. You know, there's something, it's the same like Burning Man for us, where there's just something so humanist about like, you got nothing, what you're going to do with nothing, you know? And you kind of, and you're right, it is sort of like there's an existential test. It's sort of a a medal of a man or woman is proved when he or she has nothing and must kind of take it from there. Right. Yeah, there is something sort of fundamentally indicative about a person's character i think that it i like to i like to surround myself with people who enjoy the beauty of the struggle in all forms of life yeah you know someone who can look back on the first 10 years of their career where it didn't go well but also appreciate the grind yeah you know what i mean yes people when put in a tough spot we do maze rooms a lot yeah you're locked in a room for an hour escape the room and friends and the the, all of the joy is just in the little victories like solving half of a clue yes and there's beauty in the struggle. You're absolutely right. You know? Yes. And there, I think that there will be people who would be who would find no joy or sense of adventure in being trapped on an island for a couple of weeks. Right. They don't like beauty in the struggle. Yeah. Whereas. Yeah. They like beauty in the survival. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with do. you. I mean, look, I still have that dulcimer. I'm pretty sure my parents kept hanging on to that dulcimer. That keeps so... me feeling very safe, Adam. <laughs> yeah. If we ever, ever get trapped on an island, it's just good to know that you can play in the jungle. Absolutely. On your dulcimer. Also thrilled to chop it up and use it for firewood. In right. fact, it would be its most sort of practical use. Yes. <laughs> way more use out of my dulcimer as firewood than as a dulcimer. The goon on the island would probably get tired of that, much like the guy in Animal House when he picks up, when John Belushi picks up the acoustic guitar and just yes. shatters it against the wall. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but to all our listeners, 
listeners out there, if you have survival tips for us, uh, we would love to know them. I know that's sort of a vague ask, right? Uh, but we would love to know survival tips. Or if you have a lead or have a beat on any of these like survival classes, or if you want to give us some tips on how to make fire, practical ways of making fire, Pr- real simple practical ways of how to start your own fire. We will share that on every social media we outlet know. we have. This the is world what... needs to know. Yeah, people need simple to know fire. This. And don't give us a YouTube video on how to buy a lighter. Okay. Cute. Real cute, guys. Really, really cute. We're already LOLing at that. Hilarious. We're talking about sticks. We're talking about reflection. We're talking about any way of heating us up now that we're trapped on Exactly how much shrubbery do we need? How dry does it need to be? How long do we need to rub the sticks together for? Is there a kind of stick that's most efficient? I would genuinely love to know the answers to these questions. Yes. Please hit us up on Twitter at NoJokePod on Twitter. Yes. And let us know basic, simple ways that idiots like Billy and I can make fire. Right. And we're approaching the end of the podcast, but that's a good reminder. Follow us on Twitter. We have a great followership on uh, the podcast. There's thousands of people who listen every week. And we want those people to be connected to us when we start interacting even more. We're going to have t-shirts coming out soon. Yeah, more. We're going to have some fun merch. Some fun incentive programs yep. maybe coming out. And the only way that you could be a part of the conversation is following us on Twitter yes. at NoJokePod. Absolutely. And the benefit to us would be we'll hopefully learn how to make fire we need to know. Tell us. Okay. So Please tell us how. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> it's for your survival. <laughs> it's for our, and for ours. All right. We're just trying to survive out here. Honestly. Right? Yeah. Um, well, we survived this podcast. Great one, Bill. Number 32. Really fun. It's in the books. Yes, sir. For the no Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And like always, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. That was a HeadGum Podcast.